Hello, and welcome to the Autism News Network. My name is Dr. Gwinnett, and we are joined today by a very special guest, Chris May, along with his wife, Katie. Hi, guys. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> that ought be good. Yeah, and we are so happy that they've joined us today, and I think they have a furry visitor there, too. Is that? This is Chloe. Hey, Chloe. Oh. Say hi. Oh, she's adorable. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to talk with uh, Chris and Katie today. Um, Chris is going to talk to us about his experience um, with autism and his life journey. And um, we are going to be joined by, our, of course, our Autism News Network uh, participants. So a common misconception is that people with autism cannot own their own business. How do you feel about that, and how did you come to have your own business? Uh, my autism diagnosis came uh, later in life, actually after I had a business of my own. And when I look back on it, um, I've kind of always had some kind of business or other. Um, I can remember being about five and doing like a neighborhood car wash or being in high school and... Um, I did uh, typing for a while, like people that, that uh, weren't good at typing, I would uh, you know, take, their, take their handwritten notes and type them out for them and things like that. So I've kind of always done something like that. Um, and I got, into, um, I got into IT related stuff in junior high. So it was just kind of a natural progression. Um, I found that it's easier for me to run my own business than it is to work for somebody else's because I just tend to have difficulty with some of the social issues that surround particularly very rigid corporate structures. Um, and I find that it's a little bit easier for me to run my own business than it is to work for somebody else. Um, so I would say it's, um, it's easier in some senses and harder in others. When you're working for somebody else, you kind of have like, you know, you're going to make X amount of dollars. When you have your own business, there's no minimum that you can make. So there is a little bit of extra stress with that sometimes. Uh, but there's also no upper limit. So you, you trade a little bit of uh, stability for a lot of freedom, I feel like. And for me, that's been a good fit for, you know, the last 14 years or so that I've done it. Excellent. Um, David, you've got the second question. How do you feel being married? Okay, so we met um, doing karaoke at a bar many years ago. Um, and we just kind of hit it off right away. I, um, I hung out with her that night and um, I called her up the next day and asked her for a date that same night, which um, she tells me is out of the ordinary. But to me, I you know, wanted to see her. So why wouldn't it be for that day? So there's a couple of things like that, that, um, again, that, that stuff predates my autism diagnosis by a few years. So there's just some peculiar things like that about the dating process that probably was very different for Katie versus what she was used to. Um, so it was a little bit of getting used to each other in the beginning. I think, um, I had been in a relationship or two before that, uh, you know, lasted for a year or two, but nothing beyond that. Um, uh, so we, we met each other and went out on a date the next day and we've basically been together since then. Um, so the way we got into a relationship was we just went out on one date and we've been together ever since basically. 
Um, as far as what it's like being married, um, it's a lot of work, but it's not like, it's not like a lot of work in the sense of it's bad work or anything like that. It's more sort of like if you've ever done any sort of outdoor work or farming, like, you know, you've got to, you've got to till the soil and plant the seeds and all that so that you can get a good harvest, but it's not, it's not bad work, but it does take consistent work. Um, mm -hmm. One of the most difficult things for me, I find is because I'm a very um, concrete thinker, um, especially as a guy, it's difficult because when Katie comes to me with a problem, being a guy and being a guy in particular, I'm being presented with a problem, so naturally I want to present a solution. And it's very counterintuitive for me personally to have somebody tell me a problem that they don't really want to fix to. Um, and I don't know how much of that is all men versus how much is, is an autism thing, but I have a hard time sometimes just listening to what she's telling me and trying to feel empathy for the feelings that she's feeling because a lot of times that's what she wants is just for me to listen to her and, and hear what she's saying. Um, so I would say uh, my advice to you would be um, to listen to your wife as much as possible and kind of try and resist the urge to fix things. Um, mm -hmm. I also am, am lucky that she understands me well enough to where I can say, um, I don't know what it is you're looking for here. Like I can tell when she's upset. I don't always know why. And if I say to her, Hey, I, I want to help, but I don't know what you're looking for here. Um, she's really good that she'll tell me, okay, in this kind of situation, what I'm looking for is this. Sometimes we'll watch a movie together with a particular scene that I had identify with a lot. Like we, we watched a James Bond movie and the female character had like a, a traumatic event happened and she was um, in the shower with all of her clothes on really upset. And rather than trying to comfort her or fix her, the James Bond character got in the shower with her with all of his clothes on. So it's been kind of a metaphor for the two of us to use in, in that, you know, she'll see a situation and say what that person wanted there was for somebody to get it in the shower with them. When I looked at it, I was like, well, we need to get this person out of the shower and get them in some dry clothes. So it's kind of a good metaphor for there are some things that I see that don't make sense to me that I can say to her, I don't know what this means. Can you explain it to me? And so I think that's one of the big differences in our relationship versus other ones I've had is people expect a certain reaction out of you in certain situations that you're kind of blind to a little bit with autism. And so I would say communication with your partner is really important because I can also say, what's up? And a key too. Yeah. So, you know, just being able to say to them, Hey, I don't understand what you're expecting here. Um, and rather than her getting mad at me, her just being able to say, okay, I get that you don't understand what I'm looking for here. Here's what I'm looking for. So it takes some effort on both people's part to understand that, Hey, it's not that, I'm refusing to give you the response that you're looking for. It's just that I have a blind spot there and I don't know exactly what it is that you need. That's awesome, David. Thank you. Yeah, that was good, David. And thank you so much for being vulnerable, Chris. That was really good. Um, our next question comes from Patrick. The floor is yours, Patrick. You said you like um, nuclear power and space travel. Um, can you tell us about that? 
Yeah, absolutely. So in um, elementary school, this was for me before the days of the internet and all that good stuff. Um, I was very interested in anything to do with, with um, nuclear power. I read all the books at the you know, elementary school library about it that I could, and it was just something that I was very interested in. I grew up in Texas, not too far from Johnson Space Center, so I was very into space travel. Like, um, when I was a kid was when the space shuttle was new and everything was, you know, space age, this and that. So it just uh, was something that I got very uh, narrow focus in um, and just kind of learned everything that I could about it. Excellent. I both of those things. I don't, um, you know, kind of get as into it as I used to. But, uh, you know, if I see an article about either of those things, I'll generally read it. That's really cool. I haven't seen any recently um, on space travel. There was a SpaceX launch on Sunday from Florida. And I watched it with um, Katie's parents and we went outside and I was actually able to see the, uh, the spacecraft outside. It was just like a, a glowing red dot moving across the sky, but it was really cool because I'd be interested in many years. I'd, I'd never seen um, a launch or anything. So it wasn't close enough to see anything about that dot, but it was still pretty neat to think that, you know, that dot was headed into space. Mm. Wow. That's pretty impressive. It really is. Yeah. All right, DQ, it's your turn. The floor is yours. You didn't find out that you had ASD until later in life. What was the clues? All right, so I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was in uh, elementary school. And I don't know if it's because it was just back then that that's how they did things or what, but they didn't look for any other things besides that. They just assumed that all of my problems were related to that. And I came across a book um, called The Journal of Best Practices that was about a man that was married and diagnosed later on in life with autism. And I just kind of was reading about it. And I, like, as I was reading the book, I was like, oh, that's interesting. I do things just like that. And more and more stuff started to be like, wow, this book could have been written by me. I didn't know that this was a thing. And um, I was in treatment at the time for anxiety. And I said to my therapist, I said, hey, you know, is it possible that in addition to these other things that I have autism? And, uh, you know, he gave me uh, a series of, of tests and questions like that about it. So for me, um, I wouldn't say there was so much in the way of clues for that specifically. It was more like, you know, just a couple of things clicked that, made me look into it more and then it was like oh wow this is you know this is me like, there was a lot of things that i just thought were particular to my personality that ended up being uh more common i'm trying to think of or, but you know pretty much anybody that knows me knows that i'm you know different in some way they just don't necessarily think that it's that um so the way that i like to put it is you know, in a social setting, I can kind of wear the mask of someone without that for, you know, an hour or two. But beyond that, it gets kind of uncomfortable and difficult to do. And apparently that's a fairly common thing, too, is that, you know, fitting in in a social setting for a long period of time can be exhausting. Like when I go to something like a party, like I just want to go home and take a nap. Like it's, it's just mentally and physically exhausting for me. So that was one. 
uh, a lot of the stuff to do with um, preferring activities solo versus uh, with groups. Like pretty much everything I enjoy doing is, is solo activities for the most part. Um, so that was one clue. And then it was just kind of, like I said, reading that book, I can't think of a lot of the specifics. Um, but uh, just some things that, you know, especially when I talk with, with Katie, she's like, oh, yeah, I could see that. Um, rigidity is definitely a thing for me. Like, I like to do the same things the same way. I like the same foods all the time. For sharing that, Chris. Um, it looks like Godfather's up. Are you ready, Scott? Yep. Um, hang on a second. What was your reaction like when you were diagnosed? I was relieved, honestly. Um, I know of other people personally that, that have been diagnosed that, you know, reject it or resist it or whatever. For me, it was so nice to be like, oh, that's what this is. You know, because there were so many times in life, either at work or in uh, dating relationships or in friendship relationships where I was just like, wow, this makes so much more sense. You know, because before that, it was just, oh, I'm not popular because I'm not a good person or I have trouble fitting in in this environment because there's something, you know, wrong with my personality or I'm just not cool or whatever. But then when I see like, oh, you have trouble in these social situations because you have trouble reading people's reaction to X, you know. So for me, um, I was definitely relieved to, to have a thing, you know, to be able to say, oh. I'm like this because of this. And it's, how do I want to put it? I don't want to say it's an excuse, but it makes it easier when I tell somebody that, um, you know, that I'm becoming friends with, hey, if I'm a little bit weird or if I act a little bit different in this scenario, it's, it's because of this. So if you see me doing something that seems out of the ordinary, that's why I cut me some slack. Or let me know if I'm saying something that's out of line, et cetera. Um, like one of my issues is, is um, the way that I interact on, on social media um, definitely puts people off and gets me like kicked out of groups and things like that. So if I find a group I really like, like for instance, I'm in a group for um, local people who are into riding jet skis and they're a really cool group of people. I'm like, all right, I don't want to get kicked out of this group. You know, it, it gave me the foresight to be able to do something like I messaged one of the admins of the group and I was like, hey, just so you know, um, you know, I'm on the autism spectrum. Sometimes I say things joking around that come off really wrong. And just do me a favor. And if you see me do something like that, just, you know, take the comment down and let me know rather than booting me out of the group. Um, you know, so stuff like that, that, that just before it would just be like, oh, okay, you know, I got booted out of the group. Now I can say, okay, cut me a little slack because I have this issue. A great strategy. That is a strategy. How'd you learn that strategy? You know, I don't know if they, they covered it directly in Rex, but just um, more so being aware um, about how my behavior affects others. Like, you know, she's been around it enough to where she's pretty immune to most of the things I say or do that are, that are out of the ordinary. But, you know, it, it's just kind of taught me to think from other people's viewpoint, okay, you know, there's some people that just definitely don't get my sense of humor or that I'm joking and they think I'm saying something and being serious. And it was just kind of like, okay, I don't want to get kicked out of this group. So what can I do to avoid that? And for me, you know, I kind of try to 
manage my behavior as well as possible in those kinds of situations. But there always ends up being something that I just end up not being able to resist saying that is taken the wrong way. So, um, you know, that's, that's helped a lot. Are you a picky eater? Because I am. And for me, certain textures, certain smells, like, here, I'll give you an example. Smoked food drives me up the wall. I cannot eat it. I despise it. And I just wish it didn't exist. So, so are you a picky eater or not? I am an extremely picky eater. And I realize how much so. Um, Katie's mom actually posted something once that was like, it was a questionnaire of, of you were, are you a picky eater? Um, how many of these foods would you eat? And she would eat like 46 out of 50 of them. And I think I would eat like four out of 50 of them. I'm not even kidding. Like it, it was, it was, you know, a lot of foods that I don't like. For me, it's like, I like raw broccoli, but I don't like typical cooked broccoli. If I cook the broccoli and I just like kind of steam it and it's still crunchy, I like it. But the way most people cook broccoli, I don't like. Um, the exception to that is there's a restaurant downtown called Husk. And if you read the ingredients, it's a bunch of stuff that I would never eat. Um, and a lot of them, I don't even know what they are. But that particular restaurant, however they prepare their food, um, like I just eat it without reading what the ingredients are and it tastes amazing. So sometimes, you know, I challenge myself a bit to, to, you know, try something different. Um, but most of the time, I mean, I can eat burgers and fried chicken every day, like without a problem. Our next question is going to come from Miles. Um, Miles, you ready? Okay, go ahead. What were the struggles that led to your diagnosis of autism? So for me, um, I kind of touched on some of it earlier, a lot of social issues. Like um, I had a very hard time and still do in a lot of situations um, fitting in in like corporate slash work type environments. It's very difficult, you know, when, for instance, they'll announce some new policy or have some sort of uh, some kind of group question and answer session. Um, when they ask for feedback, I would typically give honest feedback. Um, I've now learned that when they say that, they don't really want feedback. They just want you to say it's a good idea. Um, and that was something that, that still is very hard for me. In dating relationships, um, trying to be diplomatic about this, but I guess I don't have to. Um, I don't know if this is an autism thing or a guy thing, but the way that people, but women in particular, behave sometimes makes no sense um, to me. So trying to figure out why people do certain things or why the way that, that, that they act in certain situations, uh, in dating situations, like, well, if you're telling me that this is the problem, why don't you want a solution? Um, you know, or, or a good example early on in dating is, um, we were coming out of something that no longer exists called a blockbuster video. Um, I had taken Katie out for a very expensive, nice dinner, and we went to get a, uh, a video after because this was before Netflix. Um, and on the way out of the video store, um, I thought that uh, I thought that she had the door, and I let the door slam in her face. Now, obviously, the correct thing to do was to hold the door, but then the the recovery from that would have been to. Um, to apologize for letting the door slam in her face. And instead, um, 
we began to argue about whether or not someone is responsible for keeping the door from hitting themselves or not. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it was very early on in dating. So, you know, 16 years later with the, with the resolution of the argument was hours later was that I was supposed to say, sorry, I'll be more careful next time. And so that's still kind of a running joke with things. Like I can say, sorry, I'll be more careful next time. Or the time she's let the door hit me, I'll say, just be more careful next time. We both laugh because that's a shared experience that we've gotten over. But at the time, you know, that was something that, um, I would suspect caused me problems in other relationships would be that type of reaction. Well, you know, it's not my problem that you let the door slam in your face, you know? So there's things like that, that um, just kind of permeate a lot of social interactions, both at work and in relationships with family, with friends, that kind of thing that you don't really mean to come off a certain way, but she probably took it as, Oh, he doesn't even care that the door hit me or he doesn't respect me enough to hold the door or whatever. Um, something called communication, which is something that I struggle with. Um, so implicit communication is all the things that you don't say, which apparently is about 90% of communication. Um, I didn't even know implicit communication existed until I'd say within the last year or two. Um, so that's one of those things where, um, I don't always get the things somebody isn't saying versus the things that they are saying. Um, so that would be probably my biggest uh, struggle that led to that is just kind of like, Hey, why do I have these problems in work situations and relationships? So the, the neurotypicals that I've dated um, knew better, but didn't care enough to change their behavior. Um, Chris here, uh, who is on the autism spectrum um, doesn't know better, but cares enough to change once he is informed in an appropriate way of what is going on with me. So really all we had to work on was our communication. And that um, was something that we worked on consistently over the course of many years, you know. Um, one of the things that I've always done with him is watch TV and movies. And um, so like he's, he was saying before, you know, if there's a part during the movie where these two characters are kind of looking at each other or, or exchanging a lot of implicit meaning, Chris doesn't know what's going on in the movie. So I explain that to him. And he's usually surprised. He's like, wow, you know all that? How do you know all yeah, that? You know? Yeah. So when I explain it to him, it's, it's like a teachable moment. So he can then take that information and apply it to our relationship or he can apply it into the outside world. And that's been successful for us. But anyway, being willing to listen to your wife when she's trying to, to tell you and teach you something. Sometimes I, the way I say it to Katie is I say, I got to find a non-autistic way to phrase this, uh, meaning just a more polite or more socially acceptable way. And Smart. women instinct get that better than men, I think. Definitely better than autistic men. Uh, you know, and it's just one of those things that, you know, I've kind of had to learn to trust her instinct because I know in certain situations, my instincts aren't good. Well, moving right along, Lee, it looks like you have the next question. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Go ahead. Um, what are Katie's feelings about the diagnosis? So for me, um, it was a kind of a relief too, because we knew then what, what was it about Chris that was different and what were the reasons for his struggles? Cause like I said before, it's, it's clearly evident to me, that, and it's obvious that Chris is a good person and that he cares a whole lot, more so than anyone else that I've met. 
Um, but he had a lot of struggles, particularly with offending people, um, and he, myself included at times. So when we learned what autism was and how it applied to Chris, then I started to realize, oh, it's not that, you know, Chris, it's not a moral failing. It's he just has a different brain and that's it, you know. He was just born with his brain and his brain is a good brain <laughs> and it's a valid brain. And, you know, there's, there's things that we can do to help him um, just fit into the world a little bit easier. Um, so it was, you know, I, I was happy to learn what it was. I was very interested in it too. Um, it's just something that I think is interesting in general. So um, it was a positive experience for both of us. Okay. Her answer initially was, well, I knew you had something. Now we know what it's called. Do you have difficulty in middle school and high school or just school in general? I had a lot of trouble in junior high specifically. Um, I was four foot seven in third grade. I was four foot 11 in seventh grade. You know, I got, I got picked on a lot, um, both because of my size and because of, you know, the ADHD and, and autism type issues. Um, I was, I was relentlessly bullied in middle school. Um, I moved schools twice in high school, which seemed to alleviate that because I kind of got away from the, the crew of people that were responsible for that. Um, but yes, it was, it was very difficult for me. Um, at some points I ended up having academic problems, not because I didn't understand the material, but I tended to do things like not do homework or I was having so many social issues that kind of prevented me from from doing the schoolwork that I needed to do. So I would say, uh, yeah, I, I definitely had um, quite a bit of difficulty in school. How did people, did people treated you after you got your autism diagnosis? So friends of mine, like people, uh, most of my friends are, are friends through Facebook. Oh, and live people I play Xbox with or that kind of thing. People that have known me for years are just like, oh, yeah, I can see that. That makes sense. And didn't really think of it any differently. Um, my dad to this day doesn't accept that I have autism spectrum disorder. He thinks I, like, just did some quiz on the Internet and made it up. And I'm like, no, I got diagnosed by an actual doctor. And he's like, well, what kind of doctor? And I'm like, well, he was a, a double doctorate. And he was a medical doctor as well as a psychiatrist, like, you know, trust me, he has the credentials to diagnose me. Uh, Katie and I strongly suspect that my dad is also on the autism spectrum, um, but he presents a little bit differently. But, um, you know, my brothers, uh, I talk to both my brothers pretty much daily via text message. They don't really think any different. I mean, they grew up with me and it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, I can see that. That makes sense. So for most people, it's, it's a non-event. Um, I think my dad, if I had to guess... Uh, probably sees it as some sort of defect of his own that, um, you know, that he would have a kid with autism. So he kind of rejects it because, um, you know, he would in some way see that as, as uh, either a slight against him or he sees it as, as, you know, me trying to make an excuse for things or something like that. But uh, he's very, uh, very rigid in his thinking and, um, you know, nobody can tell him anything kind of thing. So, well, we've been joined today by Chris and Katie May, and we wanted to thank you both for joining us and sharing the details of your relationship. Again, 16 years together, 10 years married, and it's a very poignant um, discussion today, especially because 
Our dear friend David is getting married this Sunday to his fiance Vel. And so this was just perfect timing, not only for the information, but also for the support and the encouragement that you provided to David, our ANN participants, and our audience. So let's give them all a big round of applause, guys. Unmute, and we're gonna do a big round of applause. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Yeah. This, this was really special, and we thank you guys. And I hope that you'll, uh, Chris, that you'll come back and see us again, uh, you know, soon. Okay. Oh, and there's David's mom, the mother oh. of the groom. <laughs> yeah. Um, Congratulations, Steve. I'm very proud of him. Yeah.